Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. And uh, my special guest today is Srilik Dworsky, co-founder and CEO of TaylorMed. Srilik, pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. And thanks for uh, having me. And thank you for joining us from Tel Aviv. What time is it there right now? So I'm actually benefiting from the fact that we changed to daylight saving yesterday. So only seven hours away from uh, Central Time. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, it's not, hopefully it's not too late in the evening for you. I'm used to that for sure. All right, awesome. So when we get started, Surely, tell us a little bit about TaylorMed. Uh, how did you start the company and what is the market need you're trying to address? Of course, so TaylorMed has been around for the last uh, four and a half years. I co-founded it with uh, Adam, our CTO, basically with a mission that got intensified over the last few years of removing financial barriers to care. I think that what we are seeing nowadays across the United States is that over the last few years, the cost-sharing dynamics within patients and their payers have been leaning more towards patients than in the past. We are seeing a dramatic increase of out-of-pocket expenses and also premium expenses, basically meaning that a lot of patients requiring either chronic or critical illness treatments are unable to afford it. So this is why we started the company. What we are doing is that we are working with healthcare organizations, ranging from provider organizations to pharmacy and other strategic partners within that ecosystem to find those patients as early as possible in their medical journey and find opportunities to offset those out-of-pocket expenses by having other financial resources cover that, whether it's through different financial assistance programs, governmental subsidies, optimization of their insurance, and so forth. So we've been doing that, I think, with a very consistent value creation to both patients, but also our partners, who can be large health systems, small clinics, and large pharmacy chains, and just continue to expand with the growing need in the healthcare industry. One in five Americans today have a problem affording healthcare, more or less. How does your company address that problem? Are you focusing more on improving health equity? Are you focusing more on just helping patients and consumers get more out of what they already have? Can you tell us a little bit, can you drill into that a little bit? For sure. And I think that I'll start with why, from my perspective, one in five Americans are seeing that affordability issue. And one thing that I just mentioned was the fact that the dynamics of cost-sharing between patients and their payers has been creating more financial strain on patients. I think another thing that I'm seeing, especially where we are focusing when it comes to uh, treatment and medication, is that you are seeing amazing advancements in clinical solutions and treatments that provide better clinical outcomes. But those usually are coming to market with a very steep price as innovative treatments are usually introduced. And that's creating an even bigger gap in access to care. 
Obviously, COVID exacerbated that problem when a lot of people lost their wages, unemployment rose, and a lot of people also who were maybe before underinsured became uninsured. And healthcare costs has been on the rise uh, for years and just uh, unfortunately continue to. And I think that the way that we are address- addressing that is first, you are correct that you are looking at what patients are covered for and trying to make sure that they are maximizing their benefits. But I think our core focus is there is an abundance of different resources out there that can serve different patients depending on where they live, what treatment they are on, what type of insurance coverage they have, and then offset some of that uh, financial burden and have another entity cover that. So if we take an example, of, for example, of a patient with diabetes that needs to have their insulin medication on a monthly refill uh, cadence, something that cannot be a very affordable situation for a patient. But there are opportunities out there ranging from, you know, a governmental subsidy if you are low income to a copay assistance by the manufacturer of the drug to a diabetes foundation that can support patients with either direct medical expenses or their living expenses if they are uh, burdened by that as well. And what we're doing is that we're leveraging data that we get from our partners that can be the diabetes clinic or the IDN that we're serving or uh, a Walgreens pharmacy that we contact with. And then we project the out-of-pocket expenses for that patients throughout the year, but also be very proactive about approaching those patients and connecting them with those cost-reducing opportunities, facilitate the enrollment, and make sure that they are able to stay on the required treatment without going bankrupt or seeing a very substantial financial distress. So higher quality of care, translates to higher costs of care, which translates to higher out-of-pocket burden for consumers. And you're focusing on helping alleviate their problem by matching consumers slash patients with alternate sources of funding through numerous alternate sources of funding that can help them gain access to the care that they need to live their lives. So that sounds like a very clear value proposition to me. Are you focusing on any one particular medical condition? You mentioned diabetes. Is that your focus area or do you cover a broad range of medical areas? We do cover a very broad range. And uh, until like two years ago, we did uh, have more focus around specialty areas like multiple sclerosis and oncology and rheumatoid arthritis. But we've seen that, unfortunately, the financial barrier to care is not only focused on specialty carriers. So our solution is completely disease state agnostic. When you think about where high prevalence, high cost conditions lie, I think that oncology is definitely one. But we are seeing the, the need and the ability to support across a variety of other conditions, COPD, heart failure as uh, another kind of chronic condition example, and others that I mentioned on the specialty carrier. So... You're trying to help consumers navigate an extremely complex landscape today when it comes to costs of care, when it comes to accessibility and all the different options that are out there. There is therefore a question of financial literacy, if you will. How many consumers really know about all of the options available to make care affordable, whether it is these foundations. There's this huge information gap in the market. And you could translate that into literacy along multiple dimensions. What does your company do to address that? How are you actually bringing this information to consumers? So I think that you are spot on in terms of patients completely lost in many cases about 
not only what the treatment will be, you know, inflicting on their lives, but also what do they currently have in terms of their insurance benefits? They might have one plan, they might have three. What is the, the meaning of a deductible and a co-insurance and when does it apply? And I think that when we are seeing patients and when we are interacting with our partners, first, we find that patients don't have the ability to forecast or foresee what's coming up next, whether it's their next encounter, not to mention a complex drug regimen that can extend through a few months or sometimes even a few years. We also see that as a reason for them to, in a lot of cases, uh, abandon refuse or uh, forego treatment whatsoever. Or if they do get that treatment, a lot of time face a surprise bill at the end of that uh, uh, encounter. And I think that the last thing on kind of the literacy or the understanding of what uh, comes uh, back is that patients are not aware of the opportunities that are available for them out there. And a lot of times their providers are not aware as well. And I think that, you know, we're looking at two ways to solve for that. One is providing transparency and not only to a specific encounter of what will be your next imaging scan cost, but also what will be the next six months like. And maybe something that is not very complicated, but saying you are about to face a high financial event, but there is an out-of-pocket limit to your plan. And three months from now, you'll probably hit that. So let's speak about what happens in these three months. And also, maybe you are fully covered for that. So you can alleviate that financial concern by providing benefit, clarity, out-of-pocket forecasting, and that's on the transparency side. But to say to a patient, listen, you have just been diagnosed and there is a very substantial out-of-pocket responsibility coming ahead without giving an actionable opportunity to alleviate that, this is where I think a lot of other you know, solutions come short or fall short. So for us, it's always kind of bringing, this is what it is your expected responsibility, but in the same breath, this is what we have found that can alleviate that through either supporting your direct medical needs with pharmaceutical company copay assistance program or with a foundation that can also help you alleviate some of the living expenses you have or support your transportation to the facility. So I think it's making sure that you are looking at the financial impact in a holistic way, sharing what comes up next, but also what can be done. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Can you give us an example of how you've made this work? Can you talk about one or one of your clients, maybe? I assume that you're working mostly with uh, healthcare providers who are essentially representing the patients and their needs in working with insurance companies to make sure that their coverage and everything is taken care of, or maybe with employers. I don't know. Can you give us an example of how your company is actually making this work and talk about some real numbers? Of course. So first of all, we are working with a variety of different organizations or organization types. I think that at this point, we have more than 100 facilities in terms of hospitals, 350 pharmacies and 200 clinics working with our system, both on the provider side, that can be a specialty practice or a large health system in multiple regions, but also when it comes to independent specialty pharmacies like uh, Alliance Rx by Walgreens or others that we work with. And if we need to give like a specific example, we are working with uh, a region of uh, Providence in Oregon, where they have put together an amazing team of medication assistants that basically get referrals from the entire state of Oregon 
with Providence providers, either hospitals or clinics. And their team has been doing amazing work finding financial resources or leveraging replacement drug programs or free drug programs, as they call it, to their patients. And since we started there, we were able to increase the level of discovery of patients that they are maybe not necessarily aware of that can have a financial distress, but also a financial opportunity to bridge that gap, and then put a lot of automation and predictive analytics in order to increase the throughput of programs that they can enroll patients to. And as a result of that, I see a very, I would say, substantial win-win for patients removing their financial barriers to care or financial toxicity, as sometimes referred to, but also to their organization by increasing their ability to collect revenues without relying on patients and also to decrease the cost of drug spend when it comes to replacement drug programs and leveraging that. On average, we are seeing uh, anywhere between $1,500 to $2,500 in increased revenue for patients, and that's across our customer base. And we are seeing about $13,000 of free drug uh, or replacement drug program being leveraged, uh, especially in the specialty area. So this is very big numbers for health systems that are seeing financial return from our solution while serving their patients in a better way. Is there a specific demographic that is your target audience that that can benefit the most from your services? Is it Medicaid, Medicare, duals? What, What is it? It's a great question, something that I'm asked a lot, and I think that my answer won't be as intuitive as you think. When patients are indigent and might be on Medicaid, for the most part, they would be fully covered, unless it's maybe a carve-out drug. And I think that obviously patients that have a very high income might be able to afford whatever is coming their way, although we're seeing that that's not necessarily the case when it comes to high-cost medication. But the vast majority of the population, whether they are middle-income families or individuals on Medicare, either on high deductible plans on the marketplace or by their employers, or on Medicare with a high out-of-pocket limit or even without a prescription benefit plan, this is where we see most of the need. Patients who are required to pay more than 5-10% of their annual income, where families are not able to find those resources. So from The patient's perspective, this is our main audience, as you mentioned, but this is where most of the healthcare providers and pharmacy will see the biggest financial concern from providing care and being able to fully be reimbursed from those patients. That is true. true. I think that makes a lot of sense. So now we're in open enrollment season. Is this the time of the year when your services become more relevant? Is, Is there some guidance that you provide at this time as people are signing up? for their benefits for the coming year? How do you approach the market now? So I think that open enrollment is a unique once in a year opportunity for patients to have the ability to either keep their plan or adjust because this is where pre-existing conditions would not be an issue for you to enroll on a new plan. What we do there is actually take the opportunity to adjust a health plan coverage as kind of addressing the core cause of underinsurance and definitely people who are not insured. So if during the year you have to keep your plan and there is a financial obligation that might be mitigated by a copay assistance program, which is a great patch, I would say, in this time of the year, you can say next year I'm, I'm seeing a treatment plan that might cost X and my benefits are not necessarily well covering me. This is where I can do that benefit analysis or cost-benefit analysis, maybe I'm better off adding a supplemental plan or a Part D plan from on Medicare or paying a slightly higher premium 
and having a higher, a lower deductible plan. So I'm better covered. And at the end of the day, my cost out of pocket would be lower. So what we're doing is that in addition to just finding financial resources for patients, we're detecting those within the patient population that either will be considered uninsured or underinsured, and then seeing if there is an opportunity within one of the marketplaces to optimize for that patient's insurance. So for example, let's take a patient that has a cancer diagnosis, and next year they are supposed to have a few chemotherapy cycles and obviously visits and imaging. And they have Medicare, but Medicare A and B only, without any supplemental or Medicare Advantage plan. During open enrollment, they can elect to enroll in the Medicare Advantage plan that will put a cap on their out-of-pocket limit. Or if they have a prescription medication that is not covered by Part B, they can add a Part D, as in David. This is where it's kind of getting pretty complicated to patients to be able to understand that and then compare side by side. So fortunately, this is what we're doing for them within the system. We're providing that as an educational tool for their financial counselors to be able to say, this is what you are supposed to pay with your current plan. This is what you can save if you add or switch to another plan, even without mentioning a specific one, but just giving them the education that this is a time of year that they can optimize for like the next insurance period. So do you have these uh, educational coaches, uh, counselors, if you will, on your staff? Or do you provide this information and educate staff in your client organization? You mentioned Providence or in Oregon, for instance. How does this work? How does your target audience get to take advantage of your services? Obviously, they're going through their provider, which in, in the case of Providence is Providence, in the case of any other hospital or health system, those would be the organizations. What is the enablement you provide to make your target audience benefit from your services? So it is a hybrid model. I think we are seeing providers and pharmacists that have their own staff where they are leveraging our software solution to discover patients in financial need, discover patients with an opportunity for insurance optimization, and then they have the staff to educate and expose those patients. But in some cases, they either don't have any staff or they don't have enough. And this is where our TaylorMade Complete team comes into play. So we have you know, some of the experts in financial navigation working with us and kind of training our team to be able to support patients or the financial counselor on the provider side. And you can think about that as kind of telehealth to insurance optimization. We will be able to go on a Zoom call like that and educate a patient that this is an opportunity to optimize or add an insurance plan, or you know, simply give that as a printout through your provider if you are coming into uh, a visit. So I think it's a little bit of both, and each organization has their own priorities on how they want to engage and will be able to accommodate whatever is required. By the way, I think the name of your company is very clever, tailor-made. You know, you can look at it any way you look at like. Uh, I don't know who came up with it, but uh, that's very clever, by the way. So uh, you're operating in a space where there's a lot of competitors, right? There's uh, lots and lots of digital health startups, and they're focused on many areas. And the financial aspect of the healthcare business is definitely a high focus area for a lot of uh, lot of startups. How do you stand out? How do you differentiate? How, more importantly, how does a healthcare organization cut through all of the noise in the marketplace to really understand where the value is? They, you know, when I talk to my clients, they're swamped. They don't have the time. They don't have the resources to really cut through the noise in the marketplace. How do you get through? So I think that there are two things that uh, allows us to stand out. One is if you think of a lot of the 
noise, as you call it, but I would say the abundance of solutions within revenue cycle that uh, are coming to optimize for either a better collection experience or a more streamlined payment plan uh, solution. These are solutions that come downstream. When a patient is faced with a bill that needs to be collected, we are going upstream. We are trying to avoid the collection attempt for the very beginning by leveraging other financial resources and other pockets of revenues that can help uh, an organization be patient first in their mindset and try and remove that financial barrier and increase access and also have a robust financial resources that is not going after patient collections. And I think that that's very unique. And if you think about the holistic patient financial journey, we're starting at the very beginning, either at the point of care or after the patient got the care and trying to exhaust any other financial resources, whatever we can't find and is a residual out of pocket, then it goes downstream to the very many vendors that are trying to address that. So that's one thing I think. And second, in general, there are an amazing pool of companies and solutions and vendors that are providing digital health solutions. I think it's, as you said, very hard for providers to adopt everything, even if they wanted to. What we are very focused on, how do we attribute our intervention to direct financial savings to the healthcare provider or to the pharmacy, and then make sure that the beneficiary is always the patient, but there is a very clear business case and a very substantial ROI. So you are basically, as one of our latest uh, case studies showed, they are paying for the solution within the first month or two since they are adopting it. So the ROI is there. And then you are basically then managing workflows, automatic productivity tools, but there is a very substantial attribution to financial savings. That's very well said. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time here. I know you've got at a personal level, you've got an exciting transition coming through. So you're about to relocate with your family to New York. How does that feel? Ambivalent, I would say. I think that uh, <laughs> the last few years I've been going back and forth in the frequency that it's pretty high and challenging to visit our team uh, in New York and obviously our partners. COVID was a silver lining of staying home with the two small kids. So I definitely enjoy that. So while definitely required and good for the business and maybe an adventure for the family, we're very close to our families here. So I think it's going to be a, a timely adventure, but definitely Israel is home uh, and it's close to heart. Well, all the very, very best for your personal move. I know it's a big transition. I've done it myself, so I can speak with firsthand uh, experience and uh, it's going to work out. It'll be fine. And I hope uh, and I wish uh, the very, very best for you, your family, and for your entire team at TaylorMade. All the very best. Thank you so much, uh, Patty. It's been great speaking with you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at thebigunlock.com with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox.